Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Monday, August the 28th, 2023. It's always nice to have old friends back on the show. John Taplin, someone I've known for many years, um, writer, businessman, impresario. He uh, he managed uh, Dylan's, uh, some of Dylan's tours in the 1960s. He produced Mean Streets. He's quite a legendary figure. His last book, The Magic Years, seen from a Scenes from a Rock and Roll Life was the story of his life. And he came on the show a year or two ago talking about when music was a vanguard for political movements. He's become rather pessimistic, though, about America. He has also been on the show talking about why America is afraid of the future. And I think in his view, our fear, America's fear of the future, is very much bound up in the history of technology and in the history of Silicon Valley. Uh, he's the author of Move Fast and Break Things, how Facebook, Google, and Amazon cornered culture and undermined democracy. He's one of the most outspoken critics of tech. And he has a new book out. It's out next week, The End of Reality, how four billionaires are selling a fantasy future of the metaverse Mars and crypto. He's joining us from his home in Los Angeles. John, uh, congratulations. Welcome. Um, are these three or these four individuals, uh, they're Peter Thiel, Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Andreessen, and Elon Musk, are they in your mind the replacement for the companies, Facebook, Google, and Amazon? Are they interchangeable? What's happened between at least in your narrative, how Facebook and Google and Amazon are ruining the world and these individuals? Well, I've noticed that the notion that you and I grew up with of libertarian, I, someone who was totally a kind of live and let live person, has changed a lot. And that, that Musk and Teal and Andreessen and, and to some extent Zuckerberg have become much more supportive of uh, a kind of authoritarian mentality. Uh, they all obviously uh, got behind Trump. Uh, uh, certainly Musk has turned X Twitter into a kind of uh, platform for the alternative right. And, uh, you know, Completely, if you think about the way that uh, Andreessen and Thiel and Musk are supping at the table of the military-industrial complex in deep ways that uh, you know were depicted in New Yorker last week, uh, you have to worry that these people are becoming more powerful, not less. And it's not just their companies, but it's the individuals and their own specific political um, mentality that they have about where the world is going. Is there um, something particular about these individuals? I mean, one, one of the striking things about your list are the people you chose to omit. Uh, uh, Jeff Bezos, for example, who many see as certainly more destructive than uh, the Mark Andreessen or even Peter Thiel is omitted. How, how did you 
How did you choose which four are ruining the world? Well, I, I, I disagree with you about Bezos. I mean, I think actually the Washington Post is one of the most important progressive uh, journals of truth uh, that exists. And, you know, Bezos has retired from running Amazon, so I can't really criticize him about that. And I do think, uh, but, but I, I would say just look at an Andreessen. I mean, Andreessen has single-handedly made NFTs a thing. Uh, NFTs, if, if your audience is not aware of them, are these things like bored apes. Uh, so this is a digital picture of a bored ape, which people last year paid upwards of fifty to $60,000 for one, thinking it was some kind of unique art object. Um, you can't give them away now. And, but and, there, and, there's always, John, and you know this as well as I do, you've been involved in some of these crazes in, in, in the 90s. Uh, there always runs on insane ideas. Some of them happen, some don't. I mean, there's some... Do, do, do you think that there is no truth at all in the metaverse, in space travel, and in crypto? Is it one big scam to take everybody's minds off the reality of the world itself? Well, let's take them one at a time. Space travel. Elon Musk wants to go to Mars because he thinks that Earth is over. He thinks that our future will not be on this planet, will be another planet. So we're going to take a perfectly hospitable planet, which has oxygen and all the things we need for life, and we're going to go on a trip that will cost $10 trillion just for the first trip to go to Mars, where we have to bring all the oxygen, where you can't be outside, uh, you would get cancer in 15 minutes uh it, it's it's insane for what but, but, but that may be does he really say that that has, has Musk actually said that um we all have to go go and live on mars i mean spacex is more than that it's isn't it doing some good well spacex as ronan farrell pointed out is now the primary provider of satellite connectivity for, uh, for instance, the Ukrainian army. But Elon Musk, because of his politics, uh, restricts how the Ukrainian army can use it. So when they get close to Russia, all of a sudden they find that they don't have any communications because Elon Musk has individually decided to geofence uh, the satellite connectivity. Uh, in terms of uh, SpaceX, the rocket company, he is the sole provider of uh, transportation to the space station. Right. I mean, you're referring to the Ronan Farrow piece, an important piece in, yeah. in last week's New Yorker. But, yeah. but all this isn't necessarily uh, a critique of Musk. Isn't this the problem with the absence of state funding and uh, the, the, the way in which the economy is being reshaped. Musk isn't doing that. He's a consequence of all this. No. Musk is... Musk pretends he's a libertarian, but he's just a crony capitalist. Musk could not exist without state funding. So he gets most of his money for space, from SpaceX, from NASA. Uh, 
He gets most of his money for his satellite company from governments. Uh, the Tesla would not be a profitable company if he wasn't collecting all the uh, credits for green. But, but John, I, I mean, you seem to be just sort of replacing the old 60s critique of the military industrial complex and putting these people in. I mean, Musk has done, whether you like him or not, you have to acknowledge he's done a huge amount of good with Tesla. He's insane enough to pioneer Tesla, and only he could have done it, for better or worse. You, you can't okay. criticize Tesla, can you? Musk didn't invent Tesla. No, no one's claiming what, he invented it, but he, pioneered, he, he, he he drove the business. Tesla was an existing car, and Musk bought into the company and then threw the inventor out. So I We mean, had the inventor actually on the show. Musk, He's uh, Musk, the founder of another company. Musk is very good at promoting himself. Yeah, there's no doubt. Look, I, I'm I'm no great that fan he, of Musk, but are you suggesting that these people have done no good at all? None of them? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that what their current plan is is crazy. So let's let's go on to to the metaverse. So the metaverse business plan is that you will spend eight hours a day with a virtual reality helmet on. And you will uh, basically all the time that you currently spend in time in front of a screen, that is a computer screen or a TV screen, will be in VR. Um, I would argue that that is a completely anti-human, insane notion. And, and quite frankly, the dogs aren't eating the dog food. Nobody is buying this stuff. The, People buy the VR headset and then put it in a closet. Uh, you you go on Horizon, uh, meta, the metaverse world that he has created, and there's nobody there. Yeah, but to be fair, again, I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound like a defender of Mark Zuckerberg. He's not my favorite fellow either, but... I mean, Zuckerberg made a bad bet on the metaverse. He seems to be moving away from it. He's made a series of announcements over the last few months indicating that he's shifting most of his investment in the metaverse into AI. So guys make mistakes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're ruining the world. They may be ruining their own companies. Well, uh, you know, the fact that they are still advertising that the metaverse is going to solve all sorts of problems like teach people how to do remote surgery and everything is, is complete nonsense. Um, you know, Peter Thiel, let's talk about Peter Thiel. Well, Thiel is, I think, yeah, I agree. I think Thiel's indefensible, but anyway. <laughs> okay, so we don't have to talk about Peter. Well, no, talk about him. How, how evil is Thiel? How does he fit in? I know you're not a big fan. Well, I mean, Peter Thiel. <laughs> You know, the guys from Bellingcat, is, which you are well aware of, Andrew, who have been the most classic intelligence gatherers on the Soviet Union, on Putin and everything, uh, you know, who single-handedly revealed the Navalny poisonings and everything else. The guys from Bellingcat think that Peter Thiel <coughs> is ready to give Putin a uh, some AI tools so he can mess with the 2024 election. And that both Putin and Musk 
are open to giving um, comfort to the enemy to wreck our uh, election. Um, look, I believe that Teal is uh, a dangerous guy. I think he single-handedly supported three Senate candidates uh, for the last election. He's certainly, um, in terms of Palantir, pushes contempt, constantly pushes the edge of what is acceptable in terms of privacy and all the other things. And um, so I, I, I think quite honestly that there's a case to be made that these people are, um, have a different vision of the world than I think you do. And I know I do. Well, certainly you do. Yeah. I mean, I think you and I are in the same camp. I'm not convinced though, that we can join the dots on these four. I mean, we talked about Teal, Zuckerberg, Musk. You already wrote extensively about Zuckerberg in your move fast and break things. That's what, of course, what he said. Musk is hard to defend. But what about Andreessen? I mean, he's not the kind of guy I think you or I would want to go out to dinner with. He'd probably walk out halfway through. But he was okay. one of the inventors of the Internet. He's clearly done bad, but he's also done good. He's just a venture capitalist. Well, where does he put his venture money into? Well, so, he puts it everywhere. Yesterday, yesterday, yesterday was a lead piece in the New York Times about a new class of drone which will fly alongside uh, the best strike fighters we have and then make independent autonomous decisions to kill. In other words, the idea was that you could have 50 of these flying next to one fighter and if we're going to you know, have a defense of Taiwan or something, these Drones are relatively cheap compared to an F-16, and you, they're expendable. But but how are the decisions being made as to when the trigger is being pulled on their weapon system? It's all by AI. And who is supplying the AI, as the New York Times Review? Mark Andreessen's company, Andrew. So, I mean, I, I personally don't believe that killer robots is one of the great inventions of the AI revolution. I think the idea that a killer robot that can't tell the difference between a man with a gun and a man with a broom is a dangerous move for humanity to just essentially say, look, the AI is quicker on the trigger, it's smarter, all of that. I mean, look, if, if you think about something like Lion Air, the, the planes that flew with the Boeing 737 MAX. So the plane takes off three, four years ago from Jakarta Airport, starts to climb out. A sensor wrongly says that the nose is pointing too high and automatically the AI kicks in and takes over control of the plane, points the nose towards the ground. The pilots don't know what's going on and so they readjust the flaps manually and straighten out the plane. And then the AI says, no, we're going down. And they fight the AI for about 10 minutes and the AI wins and 185 people get killed. Now, when they did the after action report, they said that the engineers who installed the AI 
didn't think it could possibly do anything wrong, so they didn't bother to tell the pilots that they had put AI in the system. This is not that different. But that's got nothing to do with Mark Andreessen. I mean, you had um, you had a Vanity Fair, interesting piece in Vanity Fair excerpt from the book. I'm not sure whether you wrote this, but you, in Vanity Fair, at least, they say that you are warning about the curses of AI and transhumanism. Uh, I mean, I, uh, AI is a reality. Is it just a curse, John? I mean, it, some people think it's going to do huge amount of good in, in the medical industry, uh, in education. Are you just arguing that all so, these technologies I, I, are all bad? I believe AI could do some real good in the medical industry. It's better at reading mammograms than a human is. But when I think of AI applied to the businesses that I have devoted most of my life to, that is the creative industries, I think it's terrible. You know, I can go on uh, Google's music LLM and ask it to create a Bob Dylan song from the late 60s. And it will create something that sounds a little like Bob Dylan. The lyrics are completely banal and stupid. And it's just a piece of mediocrity. So let's imagine why there is a strike going on in Hollywood right now at the Writers Guild. So what what Marvel would like to do is be able to put all of its screenplays into an LLM uh, and and you know a large learning model and basically then have a new position called a prompt engineer which would write out a two-paragraph summary of what they want. Okay, uh, the Avengers, I mean, the Hulk meets Tony Stark in Switzerland, and they go do this, whatever. The AI spits out a first draft screenplay in a few hours. And then instead of having bought a screenplay for half a million dollars from a first-class writer, they take that screenplay and they give it to a fairly good writer and say, we'll pay you 10000 a week for three weeks to fix this. And so now the Writers Guild or the people who make screenplays, instead of making half a million dollars on the screenplay, make $30,000 on a screenplay. And that's the way it's going to be. And for a lot of people in Hollywood, the, the savings in money, even if it's not that good, is good enough. Same thing in, in the screen. Is that, I mean, is, why is that bad? I mean, it's bad clearly for the guys getting paid half a million. But if, 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 the, if the studios can get pretty much the same for thirty or 50000 what's wrong with that? Yeah, but it's not going to be the same. It's going to be mediocrity, Andrew. You're going to be, there's going to be a flood of mediocrity. Some people say that in two to three years, 80 to 90% of what will be on the internet will be AI generated. It and sounds, a lot of it is already, I think. We are talking with Jonathan Taplin, my old friend. He has a new book out, The End of Reality, uh, how four billionaires are selling a fantasy future of the metaverse, Mars, and crypto. I'm going to take a short break now, John. And afterwards, I want to talk about what we're going to do about it. How are we going to fight these evil billionaires? Um, 
want to just remind everyone that the show is partly sponsored by Liberties, a quarterly journal of culture and politics, an excellent collection, pre-digital, all analog. I'm going to run a short clip from them, and then we'll be back with my old friend Jonathan Taplin talking about the end of reality. Don't go away anywhere. This is the real reality. Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties, it's not just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought. A quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can check out more, libertiesquarterly.com. We're talking with my old friend Jonathan Taplin, the author of The End of Reality, on, in his view at least, how four billionaires are selling a fantasy future of the metaverse, Mars, and crypto. John, are these guys different from previous destructive, irresponsible, selfish, wealthy people, the, the Fords, the Carnegies? Is there yeah. something different about them? Yeah. These guys have all grown up on Ayn Rand. And so they believe that altruism is the greatest sin in the world. I mean, look, we're still benefiting from the fortunes that Ford and Carnegie and Rockefeller left to their foundations, which are still doing good works today. But none of these people have created a foundation. I, I think you're wrong on Zuckerberg. I mean, in my town, San Francisco, oh, okay. you can't drive around without bumping into a, a Zuckerberg okay. hospital. Zuckerberg's wife wanted a foundation, and, and I agree that. But certainly Andreessen, uh, Thiel, and, and uh, Musk are not interested in leaving a legacy of money for others to spend. They plan to spend it all themselves. So I, I think they are different. I don't think they feel they have any responsibility. I mean, Rockefeller said, and, and even Bill Gates said he had a responsibility to the planet. Uh, and, and that's not something that these guys uh, are thinking about at all. Um, look, there are two. Bill Gates was the, for, for Andrew, the first half Andrew, of his life. Andrew, he was, he was. Andrew, there are two visions of the world right now. One is that we should take the collective resources of our society and try and repair uh, climate change, maybe the mental health crisis, maybe affordable housing for people. And the other, which is championed by these four people, is that the future is a world in which AI and robots will do most of the work. And most of the people will sit home and live off of universal basic income, probably paid in crypto if they have their way, and and spend their days, uh, you know, fantasizing about dating Kim Kardashian by putting their virtual helmet on and going, you know, or pretending they're Tony Stark and living in, in Tony Stark's house, all of which they can rent from Meta, you know? So, I mean, I, I think... You know, the, the champions of universal basic income are these four people. They're the ones who believe that there's not going to be enough jobs for people. And they're doing their best to make sure that that happens. 
that Musk can come into a company like Twitter and fire 65% of the people within two weeks is, is pretty astonishing. Now, I mean, I think that you, you've got to accept that there's a danger to society in general. If we just say, look, the earth is screwed and our notion is we got to escape. We're going to escape to Mars. We're going to escape into the metaverse. We're going to escape into a, a phony currency like crypto and, and pretend that we're going to make our fortune off of that. Or, you know, uh, the ultimate notion of escape is that uh, I can live forever, which is what Peter Thiel is. How would you how would you play Sam Altman, who is uh an incredibly wealthy man younger than these four the uh ceo now of open ai very influential in silicon valley he believes in open ai he believes in a jobless future but he's more of an idealist he's in some ways critical of capitalism or at least industrial capitalism would you put altman in this camp no look my my understanding because you know, I'm on the board of the Authors Guild, is that Altman has actually been listening to the creative artists who say this idea that you can just, under the fair use doctrine, take all of our artistic work and ingest it into your AI is wrong. And he's actually coming around to the position that maybe they're right and maybe he should pay to ingest all of the great works of art in the past. I mean, look, the stable diffusion case with Getty, uh, I don't know if you know anything about that, but, you know, stable diffusion, the, the art AI, generative AI, uh, essentially ingested 12 million images that were copyrighted by Getty images and, and stripped off all the metadata so anybody couldn't, tell that they came from Getty and and just basically said, well, this is fair use because we're training our things. So then now you, if you want a, a AI portrait of Joni Mitchell, they can give it to you. It's not something that any photographer will ever make any money from, uh, but stable diffusion will make money from it. Uh, but where did that come from? It came from all the images of Joni Mitchell that they ingested into their machine. So, John, is, 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 the, is the fix here to have better billionaires, to tax them out of existence? What, what is the fix? The fix is to have responsible billionaires. And I, I actually think that, that, you know, Bill Gates and Sam Altman are trying to be responsible billionaires. Yeah, I brought up. But, but, you know, if you'd have, if you'd have asked, let, let's use the example of Gates as an interesting man. Uh, a lot of people don't like him. A lot of people didn't like him when he ran Microsoft. He's transformed his life. Is it conceivable that some of these characters, an Andreessen or a, a Zuckerberg, might change their life in the second half of their life? Certainly, Zuckerberg's still a young man. Look, it's totally conceivable that they'd have some kind of. Saul on the road to Damascus conversion and see the light. That would be great. I would be delighted by that. But uh, I, I see no sign of it. And I, I see, you know, people like Musk getting more aggressive, more trolling, uh, 
you know, more kind of right wing, uh, you know, playboy kind of act attitude. And it, it bothers me. Yeah, what? nobody like I look, nobody, I think you won't you'll find it hard to find anyone who likes Musk. But aren't Musk and Teal quite different? I mean their their politics are similar in some ways, but one seeks the limelight, one avoids it. Uh one is an investor, the other an entrepreneur. They work together, of course, at PayPal. They were partners, they started their lives together. But aren't these characters rather different in their personality? their politics or lack of politics? Well, I, I don't think they're different in their politics. I mean, Peter Thiel is obviously uh, very private in his personal relationships, as, you know, we all know, and as, you know, the poor people at uh, that magazine that he put out of business. Gawker. Uh, Gawker, no. <laughs> We gotta oh, be careful, John. Otherwise, it'll put us out of business too. I know. I, I, I you don't think I can think about this? <laughs> well, he can't put me out of business because I don't have a business in the first place. I don't think he could do much against you, John. You've been in and out of the courts all your life. You know your way around that world. But I, I, I I'm the last person who would ever defend Teal. On the other hand. He does have a politics. I mean, Musk is, as you say, a kind of absurd libertarian. Zuckerberg doesn't seem to have any politics apart from the politics of Facebook. Andreessen, I think, is another libertarian. But can't we credit Thiel with having we you and I both loathe his version of conservatism, but he is a conservative. I mean, can't we credit the legitimacy of that rather than lump him with these other three who are all absurd in their no. own ways no he's he's just as dangerous as much no he's more dangerous but but can we credit i mean he isn't i mean for better or worse teal is a smart fellow he's well read he's an he's a he's a hardline conservative intellectual very different from the other three yeah but it's a different kind of conservative it's not ronald reagan's conservatism it's the conservatism of the Claremont Institute. It's the conservatism of the Flight 99 election. It's, you want to, it's, it's a conservatism that embraces people like Steve Bannon, who want to basically destroy the state. In right. A it's a Leninist, I agree. I think it's a Leninist conservatism. Yeah. So, so John, let's imagine that, and, and again, I don't think either you and I would be particularly pleased with this. Let's say Trump is re-elected in, uh, in, in 24, and let's say America slides into some sort of civil war of some kind or another. How do you think these four characters will behave? What will happen to the billionaire class in America? Will they have to take a stand one way or the other, or will they all just they pull their chips on Trump? They would love Trump getting in, because A, their taxes will not rise. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously the Democrats were in control. They would tax these guys more. Um, they will continue to feed at the military industrial pig trough, uh, only probably more so because Donald Trump loves the Space Force. Donald Trump would love to go to Mars. 
He wants us to be, he said he wants us to be the first one to plant our flag on Mars. So he would finance Elon Musk's $10 trillion bill in a heartbeat. So, I mean, for them, it's perfect. Well, it's not a, an edifying thought. And finally, John, what comes after? If, if, if what you're talking about really is the end of reality, what comes after reality? So what comes after is a, a renaissance. What comes after is, is a group of people, artists, cooks, food people who are trying to not have a world run by machines, but a world that seems more human. Uh, and, and you know, I, I see this all the time. I'm the chairman of the board of the Americana Music Foundation and, and young people like Rhiannon and Giddens and, and um, you know, Brandy Carlyle are, are making this extraordinary real music. It's not electronic music. It's not anything. I, I see, you know, people like Michael Pollan who are, who are putting forth a different view of, of our society that doesn't involve industrial food systems. And uh, I, I see people trying to make a resistance to the AI takeover of the arts business. So, you know, everybody who's on those strike lines around Disney and Fox, uh, are, are, are part of that resistance. And so what I see comes next is like any time art society runs in cycles. I, I mean, I, I was on the phone this morning with a, a writer who was trying to figure out why all the big tours are fronted by women this year, all the big music tours. And I said, because the women are putting forth a positive vulnerable vision of the future. Beyonce calls her tour renaissance. Taylor Swift says that it's a very vulnerable, open situation. And you contrast that with someone like Jason Aldean, who says, you come into my small town, you're going to get your ass kicked. Or Young Thug, who's got a, a larger RICO case in Atlanta than, than Donald Trump has, you know, who boasts of killing people. You know, I, I think the culture is shifting. And and what's happening is, is this kind of positive, open message of vulnerability and change that's coming from the women is, is what people want to hear. It's not, you know, I'm going to kick your ass if you come into my small town. 